everybody. It's time to roll for intent with the creator's corner. And, you know, these episodes are getting a little fewer and far between. I, we're just busy boys this these couple of months. It's crazy. Work is crazy. Life is crazy. Travel is crazy. Gen Con is getting so much closer. Episode 100 for the main role for Intent podcast is getting closer. We've got plans for that. Uh, Freeman drugged me on his show for his episode 100 thing for his uh, encounter this podcast. I'm a busy boy. I know. I'm surprised we even had time to go drag in a guest. I, we cheated and we, we we just went and got someone we've already already talked to before because it's easier. They don't think we're going to spring on them in the alley because their guard's down and it's just easier to capture them, honestly. This, I, I don't know, I think you're really underselling how this happened because what happened is I woke up on a Sunday morning about two weeks ago and I had a message in my podcast email saying, you've got something on Pathfinder Infinite. And it was this content that this creator had already teased to us on a previous episode I was already very, very excited for. Uh, so without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest today. He is in the Rarified Air of the 3P Club, uh, Mr. Brian Lane. You know what they say, fool me 998 times, shame on you. Fool me 999 times, shame on me. We're, we still have a few to go. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe at this rate, as, as fast as you're kicking out stuff, like you, you tease something before we start, like, oh, it's almost done. Like, holy crap, this one just came out. Yeah, and uh, y'all were indirectly responsible for the next one coming out, but uh, we'll talk about that when we oh, get really? closer to the end of the show, I imagine. Oh, I'm excited to hear this one. This is new information. I love being indirectly responsible for things. Yeah, because if you're directly responsible, there's usually consequences. Yeah, indirectly is the best way. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, you're welcome. I don't know what I did, but you're welcome. <laughs> Before we get carried away, what are we talking about? Exactly. I didn't want to be like, oh, we get 20 minutes in, and then, oh, by the way, uh, it is this a is Ink Finder 2 Electric Boogaloo. I mean, actually, Ink Finder 2, Mark of the Harrow. Um, anybody that has listened to our main show or has like talked to me in any capacity on character building or Galarian lore knows I am absolutely gaga for Harrow stuff. Brian knows this. It used it to his advantage when he sent this to me, knowing full well that I would be like, please come on and let me talk about this right. thing with you. That's right. Between Harrow and Thaumaturge, boom. Harrow, Thaumaturge, and Tattoos seem to absolutely. be the sweet spot. <clears throat> so there is a page specifically for you near the end of this book. So good. So good. <laughs> I was going say, that's the easiest way to get on the show. <laughs> Right, Thaumaturge implements, tattoos, occult crap, bring it. So this book has a lot of tattoos. Not quite as many as the last one. However, it has a significant, like a, a, there's a numerical significance to the number of tattoos and the number is 54. It's the number of cards in a hero deck. And uh, any of you that are operating with more than two or three brain cells probably realize that this means that every single tattoo in here, at least the base level tattoos, represents one of the cards in the hero deck. That's number one, front and center. That's the book. And if that's all that was in the book, that would be enough. But you've talked, you've heard us talk to Brian, you know that enough is never quite enough for him. It's never enough. It's never enough. So not only do we have 54 level one tattoos, one for every single card in a hero deck, we've got apex items in here. We have class options. We have additional archetype feats. We have backgrounds. Uh, there's a lot. It's, it's almost overwhelming. Like, I, I definitely felt like the, uh, the McMahon meme as I went through this thing. It's like, you know, oh my God, whoa, ah, I almost fell out of my chair that Sunday morning while I was reading this because there's so more condensed into a, a deceptively small 26 pages is a massive amount of content. So for folks at home who are unfamiliar with the Harrow deck, why, why are there 54 cards? Do you, does anybody know where that number comes from? It is alignments times, uh, times suits, right? And the suits are ability so, scores. Right, alignment time ability score. So you take strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, charisma, that's six, you multiply that by the nine combinations of lawful, neutral, good, uh, sorry, lawful, neutral, chaotic, good, neutral, evil, and you've got 54 cards. So ideally, the way you interpret the cards is if you draw a neutral, evil, intelligence card, it means that there is some knowledge that is going to turn around and hurt you at some point in the future, or that you use for a nefarious purpose in the future. And so Heisen designed this deck to really be a storytelling device. And so I was, my goal with this book was to combine that idea with this tattoo would be to tell your character story on their skin. It's a, it's a fantastic literary device as well for your, your storytelling, especially when you combine the background that you have in here, along with the rituals that you get for Harrow and the additional support that we're getting for Harrow in Stolen Fate, which, as a time of recording, comes out tomorrow, and I'm positively electrified with anticipation for that book. <laughs> and Trevor, why don't you go ahead and explain to the listeners if they also don't know about Stolen Fate, because this is not coincidence. All of this stuff ties together. I don't have my copy yet. Uh, Brian does, uh, because he is an enviable uh, infinite master. But uh, the 10 cent tour of the AP is that there's a freakishly powerful Harrow cards that have gotten into the wrong hands, or they're working their way into the wrong hands, and with those cards, somebody may be able to control the idea of free will. At least that's like the 10,000 foot view that I understand from this. It's a level 11 through 20 adventure path, three book. Once again, it's just my sweet spot of something that doesn't take 14 years to run. Um, and 
you start with a level 20 item, which is just yeah. rad. Yeah. That is the coolest thing uh, that I, I've seen so far in Adventure Pass. Like, oh, by the way, level 11 character here, you get a level 20 item, you get a level 20 item, you get a level 20 item, and they're all thematically important to your character. Yeah, uh, your, each which, character gets one. Like, the entire party exactly. each has one. It's not like there's one MacGuffin. It's, here are four of the level 20 hero cards, and oh, by the way, you're going to find the other 50. Yeah. So... 54 level 20 items. I'm starting to think that level might not really mean as much as we yeah. make it out to mean sometimes. Because like, <laughs> the gauntlet is a level 20 item, technically. Yeah. Right. Uh, but it's cool. I mean, it's... <gasps> spoiler alert. <laughs> well, no, we talked... I mean, it's... it's <laughs> if you run the game, it doesn't really matter for that. Uh, it's not like you can throw it in your pocket or something, right? Um, and that's something that I think is really cool that, that Paizo's doing, is like making these these uh, campaign MacGuffins like a massive high-level item to increase their mystique, not necessarily because they're powerful, but because they're supposed to evoke awe. Yeah. And speaking of Gauntlet, Stolen Fate does start in Absalom, which is just up the road from Otari. So if listeners are wrapping up their Abomination Vaults campaign and wanting to continue on with those characters, this is this starts at 11th level. This is the, I think it's the only second uh, AP that starts at 11th level, the other one being Fist of the Ruby Phoenix, which for a long time has been the go-to place for continuing your, your 1 through 10 adventure. Which is a really weird place to take that party, yeah. honestly. This is a much much more thematic place to take that party. Yeah. But this is not a show about Stolen Fate, no matter no. how much I love it and how much <laughs> this is definitely a direct tie into Stolen Fate, right? Um, this is about Ink Fighter 2, Mark the Harrow. And I'm going to just kind of pop through a few of these because this is, I don't see this as a negative, right? There are no standout tattoos that you look at and say, I absolutely need this thing. And to me, that is a hallmark of good design. There is nothing in here that is a definite, if you don't have this, you're an idiot because it's a level one item that costs, what, 20 gold or whatever the heck it is. Very, very little. Every character can have one. And it's amazing. I love it. These are all, these are all common. Yes, or are they uncommon? These are all common. Um, you could thematically say you, you shouldn't be running around with all 10 of your investiture slots spent on hero tattoos because- you know, my dad. You're not my dad. Right? Because they, they do represent something about your future, something about your character's story. And so, you know, to just say, oh, I'm just going to blow all my money and all my investor slots on cool first level tattoos, like mechanically it locks you in because you can't deinvest a tattoo. But also, like, it's supposed to represent your story. So you could do, for example, a hero reading at the beginning of your adventure and say, this is my hero card. I'm going to get that tattooed. I mean, Stolen Fate, you're already getting a hero card at the beginning. You could get a tattoo of that hero card for almost no price, you know, for, for an 11th level character. Um, but like you mentioned, there's one for each uh, hero card. And so each uh, tattoo, just as a reminder, gives you the, the suits for the ability score that it represents and the alignment that it represents, just as a reminder. You don't have to have that alignment to get the tattoo, and you don't have to have a certain ability score to get the tattoo. It's just saying thematically, this is where this uh, this tattoo is, is kind of leading you. Right, and to line up with the, the the suits of the hero as well, I really like. And I don't know that you go over this in here, I might have skimmed over it because there's so much, but I love the idea that you could thematically get some of these actually tattooed in opposition, right? Um, so you can have it represent the inverse of the item. But I want to get into some of these, and I'm, I'm pretty much going to at random pick one from each suit to talk about. Sure. Um, because I think that's probably the fairest way and the way that will make me uh, the least frustrated with having to pick one that I really, really like when I like all of them so equally. So the hero is that it is, is separated into suits, right? The, that are emblematic of the ability scores. We already talked about that. So we'll start with the first one, um, the suit of books that represents intelligence, because why wouldn't it? Um, and I'm going to grab uh, the vision tattoo, because this is a really cool one that I think everybody would be able to use. I don't care who you are. This is useful for everybody, which is the case for the vast majority of these things. They're useful for anybody in some capacity. Uh, vision is uh, representative of chaotic and neutral. Um, and it's a tattoo of a lightning bolt that flashes every time that you recall knowledge. One of the interesting challenges with writing this was that usually the tattoo stat block includes a visual description. All of these already have pictures in the hero deck. And so the challenge for the flavor text was to say, well, what, what else can I say about the visual? Oh, it does something cool visually when you do a thing. So that's where that type of description came in is because this art already exists for all of them. And I absolutely love that. I think that's great. In fact, I cannot wait for that. The hero cards to be available, the new set of hero cards. I will set. buy those the second that they come out. I cannot wait. It's going to be great. Even though I'll probably never play in person in my life. Uh, I want these cards. I love them so much. The art is fantastic. Um, but once per day, you can activate this as envision, you know, a single action. Uh, select a topic you want to recall knowledge about, and you gain a correct piece of information about this topic automatically and become stupefied one for an hour. Um, and it has to be information that you could have reasonably learned in the past. So it is recollection. It's a vision of recollection. Um, think of this, it's a Jimmy Neutron blurring glass, guys. And then you just you, you get a headache uh, for an hour and it passes. Uh, but this is, is reasonably useful. Like, if you need to know something or uh, you fail to recall knowledge check, because this doesn't have a trigger of a succeeded recall knowledge check or a recall knowledge check, you could just get some information about something. It's very useful um, as a backstop to just being completely ignorant of everything. And I like it. I think it's cool. Once again, it's one of those things. Any character or any party could have a character with this, and it would be useful. Christian, I'm going to let you pick one for crowns. Let's just no all try it between. Yeah, like that's what I was kind of random. Uh, next, we have the crown suit, which is tied to charisma. 
And I think, you know, actually reading through this, I really liked the marriage tattoo. I thought that one was really cool. Uh, like all of these tattoos, it is 10 gold pieces, uh, suit crown. It is a lawful neutral. The marriage tattoo usually depicts disparate beings based on the local cultures, mythology, and sensibilities. During your daily preparations, choose two different single actions that you can use. For example, stride and demoralize or stride and cast shield. Once before your next daily preparations, you can use both these actions in either order for a single action. These actions don't trigger any of your free actions or reactions or allow you to use special abilities. For example, if you're a monk and choose to include flurry of blows in these actions, you cannot apply stunning fists to this flurry of blows. I thought this one was a lot of fun. Uh, just very cool conceptually to, to have that, okay, what two things do I want to tie together today? Uh, part of my goal in designing these was to create sort of mini versions of existing effects. So if you read between the lines on this, this is mini haste, right? As you become mm -hmm. quickened, there's a limit on what you can do with the extra action. Okay, so let's make it, it's just one time. You, you basically get an extra action, but you're specifying ahead of time what extra action you're packing in. But you get a little bit of flexibility in the morning to say, oh, today I think I need to be able to strike and cast shield. Like I'm expecting something bad to go down. I think this is a really, really good ad for Amagus, right? Because you mm -hmm. can use this to recharge spell strike as, a, yeah. as an action, right? Like recharge, like strike and recharge my spell strike or recharge my spell strike and stride, right? You can do that. And you can just set that, oh, well, that didn't work out today. Let me do that and maybe raise a shield if I'm sparkling target mm -hmm. or something like that. And every class has options like that. I mean, Thaumaturge, uh, exploit vulnerability and pull out scroll, you know, something like that. I mean, that, that's something I could see myself using. Really cool. Uh, the only thing I would add on this one, Brian, that I could see being, you know, at some point getting into a bit of conjecture, casting a for, uh, one action spell, there are, you know, many spells of different levels. Mm -hmm. What happens if you don't have a slot? What if someone says, oh, I have this on a scroll. Can I cast it off the scroll? Yeah. Even though I have so I would add a, you know, just a very brief, this is what happens in that scenario because dealing with players there, that's the, well, it doesn't say that. And that's just how they operate. And so I would, that would be the only thing in there that I saw when I, because I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to cast jump and shoot my crossbow because I want to leap over this thing and shoot it at the, you know, all in one action. And then, well, I've already cast jump today and I don't have it or I don't have any yeah. first level slots available, but I have my jump scroll or my crossbow's not loaded. Yeah, exactly. So something to, you know, cover in yeah. the you must be able to perform this action normally yeah. or something like that yeah but that's my only thing again yeah as, as a dm i always just tell my players that listen you know, it's giving you one action not two to say you pull out your scroll yeah. and cast jump yeah. in the example or you you pull out your scroll you cast jump you leap into the air you load your crossbow and shoot it you're like sorry that was all four actions so <laughs> yeah there is a limitation on two different single actions you can use but it's not clear like so clearly if, if i'm not a, if I'm not a spellcaster at all i'm not going to include casting a spell but yeah when i get the higher level like oh i'll just preload power word kill and oh yeah, yeah i didn't actually <laughs> yeah yeah no that's good feedback the other easy, simple thing with spell would be, say, is a single action cantrip. I mean, that would yeah. kind of <laughs> take care of a lot nah, of stuff see, for a spell. There's but... a lot of, I mean, focus spells and stuff are, are a good yeah. use for this, too, right? And there's a lot of single action focus spells. No, I love uh, blending it with Magus. I'm having a writer on there of, like, um, you must be able to perform the action whenever yeah. you trigger the effect or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be simple. Yeah, I would just say this does not grant any additional actions that might be required, such as pulling out a scroll or loading a crossbow. You know, things like that. It just lets you, oh, okay, yes, no additional actions. Yeah. End of story. That's a good, good mini haste, though. That's really a good like that. Yeah. It's a little bit better than mini haste, too, because it doesn't limit you type of actions either. Mm -hmm. so. But once pesky mini haste, I dig it. Or pesky, pe pesky regular haste. <laughs> you get this as a thaumaturge and you tie it with one more activation so you can do it twice. There you go. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to jump back in on the suit of hammers, which is representative of strength. Uh, and I'm just going to at random because I like a lot of these. I'm going to take a look at Cyclone Tattoo here. Once mm -hmm. again, 10 gold, uh, one item. This one is the Chaotic Evil uh, Strength Tattoo. Uh, it's a reaction. So those are always fun. A lot of uh, classes don't have a lot of reactions. Mm -hmm. So it can be useful for those classes that don't necessarily have reactions that they can you know, spout off all the time. Or for level one characters that have not gained reactions yet. Uh, but you hit a the trigger is you hit a creature with a melee strike. So this is an offensive reaction. Uh, and your swing sends a cyclone forth, and up to one creature adjacent to the hit creature becomes flat-footed until the start of their turn. It's a really good way to set up things for, for your rogue or for other effects that would require to be flat-footed. There's, there's multiple reasons that you would want to do this, and, and having a free, your flat-footed reaction is really, really good for most classes. I mean, nobody's going to cry about getting, you know, their enemy having a minus two yeah. penalty to their AC, right? I love it. I think it's great. This tattoo went through a few iterations. Originally, because it was a cycl cyclone, I was envisioning an area effect of, okay, so there's going to be a cone. It can make creatures flat-footed. That should probably require a save. But anytime you put a saving throw on an item, you've got to have the debate of, do I tie the DC to the item level? Do I make it scale, which technically makes us more like a feat rather than an item? And then it just became simpler to say, it's got to be one creature. It can't be the creature you hit. And it's flat-footed for some amount of time. And I, I think it's interesting when you do stuff until the start of the enemy's turn, because then your initiative order starts to become important, right? When you make it last one round, it doesn't matter where you are. But if you do this and you're going right before the creature. Like, well, then you haven't really bought anybody anything, but if you delay until after this turn and then do that, well, now you're playing a bit more strategically and you're getting bigger advantage, but for a bigger risk of letting them go first. Right. Anytime, you know, anytime as a GM, you see the party that you're running 
begin to manipulate the initiative order, you know that you're like succeeding at making combats that are challenging yeah. and succeeding at influencing them to, to make tactical decisions. And it's a really good feeling. And this is one of those other things that's like, make you think about that initiative order, make you think about yeah. manipulating the turn order intentionally. I love it. I will say I also absolutely loved the fiend tattoo. <laughs> I thought that was a very good no, tattoo. I, I'm, just, I'm not saying what it does. I'm just saying I loved it. <laughs> it makes your weapon cold or silver for a minute. Cold iron or silver. Or, I did it. I spoiled it. Or an arm strike. So good. Which is really cool. It's very cool. Yes, I really liked it. Um, moving on very to the useful. next suit, we have keys tied to dexterity. And I think, let's just go with avalanche tattoo because in 4E, avalanche strike was one of my favorite barbarian abilities. <laughs> you and your 4E love. I love, I like 4E. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> this is alignment aside to lawful evil. Dwarven tattoo artists are known to dot the rubble in the avalanche tattoo with hidden gems. This is an activate two or three actions. And you choose three contiguous five foot squares within 30 feet. The ground in this area becomes difficult terrain for one minute or greater difficult terrain if you use three actions. And I, I love this in a sense. You have so many times in dungeons, you can just create this little barrier that <laughs> you know, is just going to bog down anyone trying to get through it immensely with that three action. It's like a, you know, just a, a once a day, really overpowered scatter screen kind of spell. That's exactly so what I was thinking. I was like, yeah. without the damage. Yeah. No, I, I really enjoy the avalanche tattoo. People will definitely overlook the power of difficult terrain and greater difficult terrain yeah. in area denial because it seems so mundane. But just being like, oh, well, you can't step or yeah. your strides are cutting. You know, you have to use double movement moving through that. I mean, that's insane. And I, I love this tattoo. I can see myself getting this on a character that I'm planning to play pretty soon because it fits with the theme of the character perfectly and does the sort of things I want to do with the character, which is area denial. And it's awesome for that. I love it. Before we leave the keys, I do want to point out my, my personal favorite bit of flavor text is on the locksmith tattoo, which is when you critically fail at hiding or sneaking, your locksmith tattoo jingles the keys that it's holding. Just add insult to injury. <laughs> that's really fun. I mean, it's a good way to make it thematically. Like, yeah. oh, dude, you're, you're your tattoo's jingling again. Why did you get that thing again? <laughs> it's not my fault. The tattoo jingled. It's not my fault. So we're going to go into shields now. That's representative of Constitution. And I really like the Brass Dwarf tattoo. Um, it's another reaction. This is the lawful neutral shield. Uh, and if you and an ally are attempting a saving throw against a save effect, so like a breath weapon, something in a cone, something in a line, something in an aura, up to once per hour, you choose up to two allies who must attempt a triggering saving throw, but you take a minus one penalty, so they get a plus one circumstance bonus which can be the difference between a crit fail and a fail on somebody like, okay, well, we have to work on a, a reflex save. And the dude's a paladin. <laughs> uh, he's he's going to have trouble or constantly you know, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, fortitude save for like a witch or something like that. Something that has a weaker save. Um, I like this a lot. Uh, it fits with the thematic uh, Brass Dwarf tattoo um, and the, the lore of the, the Brass Dwarf in Galarian. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's another one of those tattoos that that's another thing that's really great about this is the, the, the type of effects you have in here run the gamut between offensive, defensive, passive. And there's no like, one trick pony, I did this thing and I'm just going to do it 15 different ways. There's such a depth of, uh, such a depth of design uh, mastery, honestly, in this. And I, I love it. One of the things that was challenging was not sticking to the ability scores for the suits. So like there's divination cards in the physical ability uh, suits because that's what the, the, the card is describing. If you go to the, the flavor text for each of the cards, it says, well, this reveals something to you. And so trying to bring that in was interesting while trying to stay true to the, the, the suit theme. Absolutely. I, and I think that's one of those things that would have been really easy to fall into a trap with. Mm -hmm. That like all of those con ones have to do with like bolstering your fortitude or, or doing things that target a fortitude or doing things that help you gain health or temp HP, anything like that. And you definitely did not fall into it. You definitely kept to the theming of the card rather than the theming of the suit. Mm -hmm. It's great. And finally, we have stars. That is for wisdom. And I am going to go with the owl tattoo. Uh, this one is for true neutral. And each night you can tell an owl tattoo the time you would like to wake up and it will hoot at that time. It also has an additional effect of once per hour you can point out as a free action. And that's actually a very useful ability, uh, believe it or not. <laughs> I mean, it's when you get into a situation and people are having to burn actions it, to, to point things out because some people can detect a square, others can't. Definitely very handy. I will never forget the first time that I went to point out as a, as a player and it was my third action. No, excuse me, that I went to seek as my third action. And I said, okay, and then I and then realized I did not have any actions to point out. And I said, oh, you really have to do this early on, don't you? <laughs> yeah. That's something I forget a lot of times as a GM to enforce the point out rules um, mm -hmm. because they're a little bit obscure, like with all of the hidden and concealed. You don't deal with them every combat. So whenever they become important to a combat, it's really easy to overlook some of them. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of design space for lesser used actions in BF2. So like we were talking about delaying earlier, like there's not a lot that builds off of delay. 
Like there, there's a whole rich design space in there of when you delay or when you re-enter initiative after delaying that I don't think we've really explored yet. Right. That would be a really interesting effect trigger for reactions or, mm-hmm. or free actions or things like that. Like trigger, you delay a turn or trigger your, uh, you enter your first turn immediately after delaying or something like that. Yeah, I like that mm-hmm. as a neat design space and listeners, nascent creators trying to find something to, to uh, design around. Let's see if we can design something into delay. It'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So I said earlier that we've got Apex items, which I've heard a lot of complaints that there aren't enough or that mm-hmm. they feel underwhelming at times. These are not. These are the only things I think you've done in here that maybe slightly overtuned, only very slightly, and that's just because the cards themselves are individually powerful beyond a thematic construct. Mm-hmm. And these are all 17 level items, just like the rest of the Apex. I think they're all level 17. I don't think any of them are Some great. are they're 18. All 17. Yeah. Oh, sorry. In, in, the, in the Pathfinder Corpus, there's a few that are 18. Uh, okay, right. 17. Sorry. So there's one for each suit, and it is a tattoo of the entire suit. So you get the Apex item benefit for the suit, which is going to be the increase of the associated score for the suit. For each of these, you also get an additional action, all from the Stolen Fate Player's Guide, which is referenced in here. Uh, so like for the uh, and I don't know what these ones are off the top of my head. I probably should have made some notes and like did a side by side so I can tell people. But for like the suit of books, increase your intelligence to 18 or by two, whichever is higher. Um, it gives you the additional trained skills and languages that you would get for increasing uh, your intelligence score or intelligence score. You get the recall under pressure free action, which I can't remember exactly what it is. And if you already had it for whatever reason, you can use it for an additional time per day. And each of them are like that in some regard. I'm not going to go through each of them. But the big thing is that whenever you get this tattoo, you get three tattoos from the suit that you can invest for free. You invest the rest of them as you want, but you just get three of them for free to invest. That is huge because when you get to a certain point, I don't care how much charisma you have. Right, you are going to be worried about investing items, especially if you are using tattoos, which are items that cannot be uninvested, unless you can find yourself a tattoo monster to munch them off of you. So I, I love these. I think these are great. I think anything that can make these tattoos more useful by lowering your investment costs, this kind of dovetails into your tattooed warrior archetype from Inkfinder One, which allows you to invest things at a greater rate than you would normally, which is a really great single dedication level pickup for somebody that wants to do tattoos. It's fantastic. I, I love this. Um, it's really cool. It fits into somebody that really wants to go hard on these all the way through their entire character design. They want an apex item because everybody wants an apex item for whatever their character is. But they also get the tattoos. They get the additional benefits for free. However paltry they may be in totality, it's just that little extra zhuzh that makes this just a little bit cooler, and I like it. Yeah, I wanted to really give space for people who want to go all in on that particular suit. Like, maybe it's your key ability score, and it's the suit of the hero card you picked up in Stolen Fate, and you took the background associated with it. It's like, okay, I am the strength character. I have hammer everything going on, and it provides a nice little capstone for you in that sense. Absolutely. In fact, if, if you are a GM that's going to be running Stolen Fate, I would strongly encourage you to pick up this book, period. Um, and then simply give all of your characters the tattoo of the card that they got as well, just to really drive the point home. I think it's fantastic. And I like it a lot. I think anybody that's running Stolen Fate, period, should get this because it, it's perfect on the nose of the theme. I love it. And you don't need Stolen Fate to benefit from this book. So they all exactly. stand no, up, exactly. on their own. This just, this, I've always been a big Hero fan myself. And so when they announced a Hero themed adventure coming out and I was looking for some thematic element for Inkfinder 2 to sort of give myself some guardrails, I said, that's perfect. One tattoo per card. I'll publish it right around the time the adventure comes out. Uh, so Brian, I did have some questions on for clarity on Apex tattoos. So yeah. reading this, it says the, this is one item that includes all nine tattoos. So let's just say what happens if let's say my character already had all nine tattoos and then I pick this up. How does that work for the investiture of um, you know your invested slot? Because this when you read this, you know you get three for free and then you can choose to do the other six. How, how does that work in a sense of if you already had them as opposed to you're yeah. getting this and it then gives you these abilities? Yeah. So if you've already got the the nine and you're think of this as like you're putting a frame around those tattoos or, or weaving them together or something. Um, the first thing that happens is you subtract the price of the first nine tattoos. So yay, Woo-hoo, ninety gold, gold down of, for fifteen thousand. Uh, <laughs> you know every little bit helps. You know when you're crawling through a dungeon. Um, basically, just like you described, you now get to choose three of those that you're investing with the apex item, which puts it pretty on par with other Apex items because other Apex items will give you like multiple activations. So if you're thinking of each tattoo as a different activation, you're kind of summing those under this, but you get to pick and choose each morning which of those three there are. And then because you've got that flexibility and you've shown that investment, um, it gives you the rider that the remaining six, you can now choose to invest or not. So breaking that usual rule uh, is now part of the benefit of having one of these Apex tattoos. And that's kind of how I figured it worked, but I just, since yeah. we had you here, I wanted to get the clarification directly from you. I'll always happy to look at things that need, uh, that need an edit. So that brings us into a section that I kind of want to delay until later, which will become apparent when we get to this. Um, but it's the hero marked background and the reading tattoo that is directly associated with it. We will come back to that. Um, 
that I really love this thing because this allows you to work with your GM to make some cool custom stuff that has guardrails built around it. And I like it. So we're going to go into the uh, character options, and there's a lot. Um, once again, this is a deceptively small book with a massive amount of content. I mean, we've got five pages here that, one, two, three, four pages here that is additional character options for archetypes and uh, specific like subclasses within classes already, and I really, really like it. We've got um, in Divine Spellcaster, so all the Divine Spellcasters we've got, you know, you could do your Oracle, uh, you could do your Cleric, I imagine you could do, would you allow this for like a Divine Witch Patron or Divine Sorcerer? Yeah. Right? Or, is there a Divine Sorcerer? I can never remember. Yes, yeah, Sorcerer no, can, yeah, 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 can choose yeah, like yeah. Just, yeah, the sources which is the summoners can be anything. I always forget. Oh, right, I always forget yeah. summoner. I left summoner out of that list. I always I forget summoner right away when I was like, oh, no summoner. <laughs> All right, I'm going to add that. Summoner, right. summoner is Christian Thaumaturge, so watch out. Yep. <laughs> Thank you for that. So this one, for any divine spellcasting uh, class that follows a deity, you choose a first level hero tattoo who's aligned with matches your deity, you get the tattoo as a temporary tattoo. This is a level two feat. You get guidance as a divine innate cantrip, which is really cool. Anything that gives you other cantrips is awesome. <laughs> and whenever you cast guidance and the target uses the bonus on a type of check that uses the ability modifier, Associated with your temporary hero tattoo suit, they become immune for a minute instead of an hour. That's huge. That's fantastic. That means you can, you know, do that before a combat and not be worried that, like, oh, are we going to walk into a room and, you know, get screwed because there's something here, right? We can't use it. So if you, you know, strength, right? You're like following Turkus or something, right? Uh, and you, uh, you want to give them guidance on an attack, right? You could do that. You could do it twice, uh, potentially in, in the same combat. I like it. It's it's one of those small things that you look at it and it's thematically cool, but it provides a much bigger benefit than you would think. And if you multi-class into psychic and get the amped guidance, now you're doing it three times. <laughs> stop, stop. I'm getting too excited over here, man. We get the new hero archetype in Stolen Fate, player's guide, and you gave two new feats, a level two feet and level four feet. And one of them is, is Fado. Fado, yeah. One of them is Fado tattoos. It increases a uh, your diplomacy check. You search status bonus for diplomacy checks against creatures that match your uh, hero tattoos alignment for the, the tattoo that you, your hero tattoos alignment or for the hero card suit that you have for the day as the hero or archetype. They have to see the, the tattoo. That's another thing that I'm... One of those things that I really thematically, and this might be a me thing, I can't imagine like going all in on a tattoo character and then just covering it up with plate armor, right? Stay I was thinking about that a lot. Stay tuned for I have some that you would want to hide. Part of my build that I want to use this thing for is like, I need something that uses natural armor or light armor that can have like an open shirt or something. You can see the tattoos because to me, you have all these things. They need to be seen to work. <laughs> oh, and you also get mark reading that allows you to inscribe temporary hero tattoos whenever you do a hero reading, which is really cool. I like that as well. Um, anything that lets me use more tattoos on a temporary basis, kind of like the temporary tattooing for Ink Finder 1 with the Alchemist temporary tattoos. <laughs> very, very neat. We get a new racket, Rogue Racket. I'm not going to go too far into it, but it's a, a Scribbler racket uh, that they write on their foes with magical ink to um, Hex, Vex, and Perplex them. And I like it. This was not strictly related to Hero, but this seemed like a good opportunity to expand on these uh, tattoo-related class options. So. And we get some stuff for some spontaneous uh, spellcasters as well. There's just so much in here. Like, the text is so dense in these sections because you got so much that you're fitting in here. I'm having trouble parsing it on the fly sometimes, right? My eyes are crossing. Don't miss your yeah, Dalma Church implement, though. <laughs> that's what I'm getting to. I, I want one more thing that I want to talk about. I'm going to give the four back to Christian because I, I know I'm dominating this one because I'm so <laughs> giddy about this book. There's a Thalma Church tattoo implement, y'all, and that's enough reason to get the book. Right there. It essentially allows you to fascinate things with your tattoo. You do a Lord check against uh, the will DC of an enemy within 30 feet. On success, they become fascinated with you for one round or a minute on a crit. Uh, the adaptive benefit, uh, you can influence small adjustments. You can force them to step towards you. Um, and one of your allies within the target's reach may also use a reaction to step towards you. You choose one of those two. You get defenses against mental effects from things that are your target of your exploit vulnerability when you intensify vulnerability. And the Paragon benefit, you become concealed to things that are fascinated by you. It's all very, very cool. Not super powerful. I love it. I think it's cool. I mean, if you're going all in on a thaumaturge with tattooing, why, why the heck not? Go for it. I love it. Christian, permission to use this in an upcoming game. I'm excited. Go for it. Excellent. Foundry support is coming up. We also have a wizard tattoo thesis. Uh, this is, I actually really enjoyed this because this one in particular 
uh, this is not tied specifically to what you're doing here. This encompasses all tattoos, and that's you know, that's cool that as you know, these, this type of item is becoming expanded, that you're going to get additional coverage through this thesis. Thesis. And what this does is a wizard can choose the following thesis at first level. You can tattoo artist skill feet. Uh, during your daily preparations, you can craft one temporary magic tattoo on yourself or an ally. The tattoo must be your level or lower, and it lasts until your next daily preparations. You can also spend any number of spell slots during your daily preparations to craft that many additional temporary tattoos. Each tattoo must be of a level no higher than twice the spell level. So I think it's really cool for people to include stuff from treasure vaults and other sources of tattoos, not just what you're doing here. So I think very well done. I, I like the design space, and I, I, it was really cool to just include this. Is it, it makes it you know very interesting for a wizard that is into this style. Like I can picture this character already, like covered in tattoos, temporarily tattooing the kids for fun right before their adventures. <laughs> so I don't know if either of you ever read the strange case of uh, Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell, but uh, near not. the end of the book, there is a, a secondary character that's very important to the story that is covered in mystical tattoos. And all of this stuff makes me think directly to that. He's tied to the land of the Fae and, and interesting stuff like that. But all of this makes me think of that character. He's like a street diviner. He doesn't realize that these things all have meaning and it kind of pushes him hither, thither, and yon uh, in the plot. And, and, and I think that's something that you could do really well with these hero things. You know, even if you have a character that's like, it's like the equivalent of, uh, you know, a wine mom that got the kanji for like peace on her shoulder. Like, oh, I really just like this hero card tattoo. Well, do you realize what that means? <laughs> yeah. I think that that is a really neat thing that you could potentially do with this. Well, I mean, Stolen Fate starts with you wake up one day and you have this hero card. You can just wake up one day and you have the tattoo as well. You wake up one day and you have a face tattoo. Yeah. It's yeah. like Hangover, part two. <laughs> well, I'm writing that one down. This is going to happen. <laughs> So I said there was one section that we were going to wait till the end. I think we're kind of to the end here. And I'm, I'm doing that because uh, this is going to be some mechanical stuff that's going to go on. Uh, and this is, I think, the first time. I um, mean, Christian, we can cut this out if you don't think that this is appropriate. But we are planning something special for our episode 100 for Roll for Intent. Uh, I will not be the GM, and Christian will be the GM, and I will be able to play for a few episodes. Alongside some GMs from some other uh, streams and podcasts, uh, those names will be at a later date, but I am building a character that is very much deep into the hero for this. And this last bit that we have in here. You can keep it in as long as I get to keep the moniker the GM's GM. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, you can do that. We can, we'll change your role in Discord. Yeah, we'll change the Discord role and everything. Nice. There's a new background called Harrow Marked, and there is a new type, there's another type of tattoo called a reading tattoo that is associated explicitly with the background. Uh, can you give us a little you know, 10,000 foot view of what this is, Brian? Because I don't want to butcher it because it's, it's fairly in-depth. This is like self-homebrew design space that's guided, and I love it. Oh, and before, before you even start, Brian, I want to say, and kudos to you for doing this, at the end of what Brian is about to explain in his booklet, there is a link, if you're doing this on a PDF, that will take you to a YouTube video that he has made explaining a walkthrough on how to do this. Thank you so much for doing something like that. That yeah, is absolutely. well above and beyond what is necessary, but also incredibly helpful to everyone, and I just think that we need to start seeing a few more things like this mm -hmm. that uh, sometimes just a, such a simple explanation goes so much longer than reading all of this. Like, wait a minute, how does this work again? And how does it explain it to you? I, I watched that and I was like, no, oh, very well done. I, I want to congratulate you on that. That was uh, an excellent idea. And that video is over on the We Are Strong Together YouTube channel. Uh, so if folks want to go find it to get a preview of the book, if you haven't gotten a preview from these guys yet, uh, that can give you a preview of what the section looks like. So this section is called the Deck of Endless Tattoos. So playing on some longstanding uh, RPG terminology there, where basically you perform a basic hero reading and then turn the reading into a tattoo. So there's lots of versions of hero readings uh, that Paizo has published uh, and will presumably be re-upping when, uh, when the updated hero deck comes out. Uh, but this just assumes you're drawing three hero cards, one to represent the character's past, one to represent their present, and one to represent their future. And then what you do is you combine those three elements into a single reading tattoo. So the reading tattoo can go a few different ways. The first thing you do is you look at the first card and you look at its alignment, good, neutral, or evil along the, along the moral axis. Um, if it's a good card, then the tattoo gets an activation where you, your PC, makes a skill check against an enemy. Okay, makes sense. If it's morally neutral, then it's actually an activation that your allies use, which is a little bit different because usually magic items are a thing your own character activates, but this is you opening up an extra option for your allies. And if it's an evil card, then it means you're going to require a saving throw from an enemy. So you've got yourself, you've got others, and you've got the, the enemy. For the second and third cards, uh, you're looking at the suit. So you're going back and looking at those um, alignment, excuse me, those ability scores that they're associated with. And so 
For the second card, it determines the type of check that they're making. So if it requires a skill check, your books are going to require Arcana, Crafting, or Occultism. Uh, if it's going to be a saving throw, books is going to require a will save. And so each of these suits has a different list that you're choosing from. Um, it doesn't match one-to-one with the table that's given in the Stolen Flip Fate Player's Guide because they have a similar setup for how your harrowing impacts what type of checks you make. But I kind of like that it doesn't quite match up, that it's influencing fate uh, in a little bit different way. But so that second card determines what type of check you or your ally or the enemy is making. And then the third card determines what the effect is. So it's going to impose a, uh, a circumstance bonus to you or an ally or a circumstance penalty to an enemy, again, on a type of check that's given in the uh, given by the third card suit. So let's say you draw a shield card for your third card and it's uh, your, your your reading tattoo is influenced an enemy. You probably want that to apply penalty to the reflex or fortitude save, but maybe you want it to apply to their athletics if you're you know going up against a lot of giants you're afraid of getting grappled. Uh, you know Maybe you, you, you put the penalty to, to athletics instead. But basically throughout this process of going through these three cards, you work with your GM to determine what the effect is. And so it explicitly, this is the one that explicitly has the uncommon trait, uh, since it does require GM buy-in, because you're going to sit down for 20 minutes to figure this out. But once you figure it out, you write it down, you put it in your character sheet, and you and your GM have agreed that that's the, that's the way this tattoo is going to work. There's other details you need to work out, like is this going to be a single action activation? Is it going to be two actions? Um, should you be able to do this uh, from anywhere, or should it be within touch range, within 30 feet? Should you be able to do this at will? Should it be once per hour? And that's where you and your GM kind of work out the details of how powerful do you think this is? How often do you think this is going to come up? Your GM can look down to the future of what kind of enemies are going to come up and just get an idea of like how powerful you want this to be. And so in principle, everybody can get something different out of this uh, because you're getting this different story that you're telling with a hero reading. And also you have to justify it in some way. So uh, Christian, you referenced the video I made where I was trying to make one for my own vampire thaumaturge. And I drew three cards. I, I wrote down three abilities and said, I'm really not sure how this is going to work because he's not really that much of a fighter. Oh, but he does have fangs. And I bet he could like suck out some strength from somebody. Ooh, I like this. And like the story gears were turning in my brain for how this would work out. I love it. This is very fun, very thematic, and just on point for all of the stuff that we typically see from you. So again, you. Uh, very well done. I I can't recommend this enough to people. And, you know, even like someone like myself, I am not into hero cards at all. I have nothing against them. It's just nothing I ever got into. But this is a fun thing to include in your campaign. And I absolutely would you know, encourage anyone to pick this up and look at it. And I have zero problem with anything in here. Like, we definitely enjoy your work when we get a chance Thanks. to peruse it. So thank you much for coming on and sharing this with us. Yes, this has been absolutely amazing. And I'm going to be sticking on with Brian when we're concluded with the interview, um, where he's going to do a very mini reading with me, not, not thematic reading, but we're going to build a background that I will be using in an upcoming game, uh, and afterwards I'm going to get it actually produced as something using this suit of hero cards. I'm very nice. excited to do this. It's going to be very cool. I feel like you should use this for your character and release this as Patreon content for our poor patrons that don't get enough Patreon content. <laughs> you know what? I think that's a good idea. I will be using this for my character. Um, <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Yeah, no. As long as, long as you don't use anything Paizo-specific from a story, we're good to throw it on Patreon. Yep. It's <laughs> like fortune-telling deck. Exactly. We'll use the fortune-telling deck. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, I think that about wraps us up for today. And yes, uh, as Trevor said, uh, always a pleasure to have you on, Brian. And, you know, you mentioned Ink Finder 3. So very exciting. I kind of hope, you know, in Ink Finder 3, maybe we will start to see some set tattoos. Maybe like, you know, I have this tattoo and this tattoo and this tattoo and having all three of them is going to grant me a little something extra since these are permanent invested items that are hard to get rid of. I think that is well within the range of tattoos and makes them even more awesome. So (laughs) hopefully we see something like that. Before we sign off, you said you had a little bit of a, of a sneak peek, and I'm excited to yeah. hear this. Before we end this, I, I know that might give you... this has been long, so apologies yeah. to the listeners. This is an exceptionally long one, but I'm okay. anytime, anytime we get hero cards and thaumaturge stuff, it's going to be long, listener. You, you just have to know that. <laughs> I'm driving the ship and you're with me! <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought I might give you the table of contents for Ink Finder 3, just to tease it out. Uh, first item up is, let me count the number here, is 22 more scar tattoos. Last time I was on here that I said, okay, I have to go back and do more of these, so there's going to be more scar tattoos. Um, I've also created 20 holiday tattoos. So these are tattoos you can only get on a specific day of the year from people who are sort of in charge of that holiday. So it's adding a new layer of rareness of you have to go to a specific place at a specific time to get these. Oh my God, you're adding FOMO to the game. What have you done? I know, I know. Uh, (laughs) Then there's... Damn you, Santa, I waited all night by the fireplace for my milk and cookies tattoo. He never showed up. (laughs) There is a Krampus-related long night tattoo in honor of that wonderful long night one shot. Yes. Then there's pledge tattoos, which are sort of playing into the whole like champion's oath thing, like mini versions, so that you take on a mini oath that you literally wear on your skin. Uh, there's going to be cursed tattoos for when the crafting process goes wrong. And then finally, uh, I'm gonna, I, I've had this on my list since Ink Finder 1, but I just didn't have the time or space to put it in Ink Finder 1. Uh, there's going to be some special inks that you can use to enhance your tattoos in the crafting process. Nice. Oh my god. 
I'm so excited. You should be. Call me. You know how to get a hold of me. Uh, I know how to get a hold of you. I guess we're going to have to wait for Inkfinder 4 for set tattoos. <laughs> so I, I will take a little break from producing tattoos for Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Let me put it that way. <laughs> uh, I was hoping we would still get maybe an animal companion or an idol in Magic Item Tattoo because they're, they're a group that does not get enough items. So, <laughs> Well, let's, let's just say keep watching the stars. Ooh. Well, everyone that is still with us, we thank you for hanging out with us. This has definitely been a long one. Oh, my God. So, again, thank you so much for hanging out with us, Brian, and sharing all of your wonderful work. And as always, I'm Christian. I'm Trevor. And you guys have a great week. Bye, y'all.